Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Cantor Hilary Chorney. I want to teach a little bit today about gratitude. This week, I had the opportunity to do a lot of Megillah reading. We're commanded to hear the Megillah twice. And I did the Megillah reading not only in the evening with our adults and also with our middle schoolers and also with our tots. And I also did a Megillah reading in the morning, a full Megillah reading with our daily minion and also with our kindergartners and first graders together. And we talked about how we read the Megillah with our ears. And ears feature heavily in Purim because we have Ozne Haman or Hamantashen. We have the, these cookies that are featured in the shape of triangles and ears. And we talked about this idea of Likroata Megillah, Likroata Torah, that we call out the Torah because somewhere between the fact that the Torah itself was an oral tradition and it was scribed on a single scroll and it wasn't until way later that we had more scrolls scribed and then codices, actual books that were bound in hand. It wasn't until even later when we had literacy, when people could read. And so what do we do as a people? We tell stories. And since we are little kids, we are used to storytelling as the modality of reading, right? That's the very first way that we learn to read. Hopefully each of us has memories of somebody dear to us, and they may have been different somebodies for each of us who told us stories. And that was our introduction to the idea of reading. So I want our way into this story of gratitude from this week's Parsha to start with reading our story again, just like you heard Rick and Yaakov read for us earlier by reading with our ears a little bit. Im al-todat yakri venu. And if for the sake of toda, everyone here familiar with that word? Thank you. Toda is a great word to learn in Hebrew. Thanks. Right? Top 10 list, I think. Nice to learn the word for thank you. And it hasn't changed since the Torah. And if they brought a sacrifice, avodah, I want you to keep that word in mind because that's one of the transformational concepts that I want to impart today. This idea of the transformation of avodah, of sacred work. Im al toda. If for the sake of gratitude, Yaakri Venu, they came close and they brought Avodah, they brought some sacred work, in this case, an actual sacrifice, Al-Zevach HaTodah, Chalot Matzot Belulot Bashemin, together with the sacrifice of Todah, of Thanksgiving, these Chalot, familiar word, Chala, okay, these sort of Mm, cakes, bread, something like that, that are matzot. Wait a minute, halot matzot, right next to each other? Chala matzah? Well, the cakes and crackers. Okay, so there are these cakes and there are these crackers. Belulot bashemen, that are sort of mixed up with oil. Urkike matzot, meshuchim bashamen. And these unleavened wafers, we know the matzah, can you picture the matzah, right? And then there were these wafers, these matzahs that were sort of Mm, spread with oil, morbechet chalot belulot bashamen. And there were these like really special cakes, 
made with like the nicest flour with oil mixed in, like soaked into it. Okay. So this is the description of how one offers a thank you sacrifice. Okay. So you've heard the story of how somebody offers a thank you sacrifice. The rabbis, as always, have lots of questions. They have how questions and they have why questions. What are your how and why questions? What are your how and why questions about this Thanksgiving sacrifice that gets offered? Not Thanksgiving the holiday. I acknowledge that we all know that happened several millennia later. (laughs) What are your how and why questions having heard this Thanksgiving sacrifice? Why? So many different kinds of crackers and breads and stuff. This seems like a lot of different types of cakes and flowers and breads for one purpose of gratitude and thanks. Very good. That's a good why question. Any other why and how questions? Rick is supposing that maybe it gives people choices, right, of different things that they can bring. Maybe it's or this or that. Good. BJ? Great. Are these to be burned and consumed and offered up to God, or are these consumed by the priest? This is great because it's in a series of sacrificial offerings, and some seem to be consumed by the priests, and others are wholly consumed uh, by uh, the fire on the Mizbeach, on the altar. And so that's a good question as well. Right. Why, why so much attention to flavor and taste if we're offering up to an unembodied God, to a deity. This seems rather pagan, possibly. So why so much attention to that? Okay, good. Let's take one more. Yeah, Roger. You're thinking of this whole this whole section of our Torah, there's a lot of specifics about like the right thumb and the toe and the blood and the, hmm. why so specific? Exactly how we're supposed to execute. That's a great question as well. I'm going to hand out some source sheets. They also came online. So I'm hoping that if people are joining us virtually or reading in the podcast, they can also read along. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll hand out to the side. So on this verse, we're going to look at two commentaries on this specific verse. And then we're going to let ourselves go down a rabbinic rabbit hole. Because what's better than getting distracted by rabbinic toyer? Okay, so thank you. On this verse, we have many rabbis asking the question, just exactly How grateful, and for what am I supposed to be grateful? Like, how thankful am I supposed to be to the extent that I go, you know what? I am feeling so grateful today to God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Toda. Look at all this gratitude. How grateful, like, where does my gratitude meter have to get to before I go, now that's sacrifice worthy? Because if you think about it, what is the first word that's supposed to emit from our mouths in the morning? Moder moda, right? This is the Ari Lucas Torah. Rabbi Ari Lucas always said it's moda or moda ani, not ani, moda or moda. The first word that emanates from our mouth is gratitude for the return of our soul to our body. So we enter every single day in a state of gratitude, of prayerful gratitude, even if, and I'm going to put a big if on this, we're already reading this Torah 
from a place of believing that the way that we engage in sacred offerings to God is through prayer and not sacrifice, which is a leap because we have to get there through this work. Right? Remember that in the context of this learning, we're talking about actual offering of sacrifices. But if we're there, then we're grateful all the time, right? Aren't we? Aren't we saying thanks through? What else do we say thanks through all the time? We say thanks through, yeah, Gabriella, the food that we eat. We're told in the Talmud that it's as if, this might even be based on a Mishnah or a Brita, it, it's as if we've stolen from God, if we haven't said a blessing, first of all, midoraita, like like it's considered as if it's from the Torah. We're commanded to say thank you after we've eaten, and we derive from that that therefore we should say blessings before we eat as well. So we sandwich. I use that word on purpose. We sandwich our food eating, our consumption of food and drink with blessings of gratitude. So. That would be a lot of sacrifices, right? Like if we offered a sacrifice for every moment of gratitude. So the rabbis ask, okay, so what level of thankfulness do I have to reach before I go, all right, I'm going to offer a sacrifice to God. So Ibn Ezra says, Tamo, okay, I'm going to tell you what the meaning is of this. This is the ta'am of this, which by the way means the flavor of it. This is all very full of puns of flavor. I love it. I'm a big pun fan. Shayitain toda lashem, because he wants to give thanks to God. Shanim let mitzara, because God helped him get out of a narrow place. You guys were already in preparing for Pesach, though. I'm so sorry, but there we are. We give thanks to God because we were in deep, 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 deep trouble. Okay, Ibn Ezra says that's what this is referring to. When we're talking about making a, a sacrificial offering in gratitude, that's like, oh, thank God I made it out alive. That's what Ibn Ezra is saying. Just in case you weren't sure if Ibn Ezra stood alone on that opinion. Oh, hang on. Joey has a thought on that. You're, you're right on cue. I'm going to say, Baruch She Kivanta. Blessed be that you intended that. So, um, I'm going to pause in my teaching and say there's a really, really wonderful concept in the Torah. Often when people are in class and they're students, which all of us are at some time or another, even in our adult lives, we feel like if we had something to add to the conversation and someone else said it first, it's kind of a letdown, right? Like, ah, oh, man, they said what I was going to say. But our rabbis teach us that it's actually an incredible blessing if we have a thought and we discovered that someone had that thought before us, and it's even a weightier blessing if we discovered that someone had that thought thousands of years before us. So if we raise our hand and we have a thought and I say, guess what? That's what the Talmud in Brachot 54b says, Joey. Then it's a blessing. Baruch Shekivanta. Okay. So I'm blessing you that you're thinking of something that we're going to get to. Okay. So you're absolutely right. It is where we get Bench and Gomel from and we're going to get there. Okay. So just in case you thought, he was a da'at yachid, a single opinion on this. Rashbam, who is Rashi's grandson and loves to disagree with Rashi, but here he's not bringing up Rashi. He's just bringing his own thoughts on this. He says, im al toda, this thought. He says, shenadar b'lashon toda, that he, 
he sort of vowed using this expression of shlamim, and not using like an expression of shlamim, which is a different type of sacrifice. The stam toda, um, Right, we're using the same play, uh, language of the narrowness of uh, of being in a really scary situation. That he was, he was uh, vanquished is not the word I'm looking for. He was rescued from a place of his narrownesses, his scarinesses, and Gemosha Amruachamim. Just like the sages said in Brachot 54, in the Tractate of Talmud called Brachot, on page 54, Arba'a Tzrichim Lehodot. Four are required to offer gratitude. So what do they mean by four are required to offer gratitude? Instead of continuing in that source, we are going to go straight to Brachot. Okay, you know how when you're reading an article on the internet and then something is hyperlinked and you can click that hyperlink and then you go to that article and then there's there's a link, a hyperlink in that article and then you can click on that article and then when you're there, you can click on another article. The rabbis invented that, okay? I want you to understand that this is what we're doing. We're going down a click hole, my friends. So this is me getting distracted with you, going down a click hole of Torah to Brachot 54b. Let's go to the source. We're not going to read this whole source because as you're about to see, as you turn this page, you're going to go, holy moly, Cantor Chorney, there's no way we're going to read this whole source together and get to any kind of kiddish. And you're right, because we can't possibly. But we are going to start with the conversations that you know that we're talking about Rav Yehuda chatting with his buddy Rav, okay, with his teacher Rav. Amar Rav Yehuda. Amar Rav. So he says, in the name of Rav, who was his teacher, he says the thing that we just quoted. There are four people who are required to offer gratitude. Pause. Remember I said what we're trying to do is make the transition from the paradigm of offering sacrifices. Do we slaughter animals as sacrifices today as Jews? Have you seen this recently? I hope not. Okay. It's not, not the paradigm that we're in. We're, so we're making that shift here. Okay. This is where we are in the Talmud. So four people are required to offer some kind of gratitude. We are not in a tractate that is focused on offering the sacrifices themselves. The Talmud does still deal in that, but that's not what we're dealing with here. Here we are dealing with how do they actually, how. Remember before it was which, like why, under which circumstances, with Ibn Ezra and with Rashbam, who are before. But right now we're in the discussion of how, which ones, who's required, and what do they say and what do they do. Okay, So four categories of people are going to be required to offer gratitude. Their circumstances are going to bring them to a place where they're required. And what are those circumstances? They are your day hayam. What does that sound like? Your day hayam. What, is that, what does that sound like to your ear? Sailors. Yeah, but what does it sound like? Your day. Your red. Your red. Go down. Your day hayam. Does it sound like Jonah language? Remember that? Your red, your red, your red. Right? So like people who went down to the sea. Okay, good. Seafarers. The sailors. Very good. Okay. Holchei midbarot. The ones who 
go through the Midbar, right? That's where we're going to go. That's our next book of the Torah. Spoiler alert. Okay. We're not there yet. It's okay. Umi shehaya chole. And someone who was chole, who was what? Sick. They were, they were sick, but we got to, we got to be sharp with this. Somebody who was like really sick. Someone who was worried for their life. Sick. Venitrape. And they were healed. They were brought back from a very severe illness. Venitrape. Umi shehaya chavush mibet ha'asurim v'yatsa. And somebody who was imprisoned and then was, and, and then they went out from prison. I, I like the way that, it, that the language goes because I think that it can infer that also maybe they escaped. I don't know why. I just like it because it doesn't say they were let out. It just says, and they went out. So in my mind, it's just like Alcatraz also, you know, uh, like they could also escape and they still have to bench Gomel. Okay. Uh, thank God I found my way out. Um, so then... You know what happens next in the Talmud? You might think that we rabbis in the 20th century or the 19th century invented this concept of a drosh that was literarily designed around a piece of Torah and nicely and neatly laid out. But we totally stole that concept from existing paradigms here in the Talmud. And we're going to skip this whole next section because it's really long, but I'm going to tell you what it is. What the rabbis did is they took Psalm 107, which is not a psalm that we use liturgically. We don't really utilize Psalm 107. If I read it to you in Hebrew, you would say, oh, it sounds like a psalm, but it doesn't sound like a psalm that we use regularly in the Sidor. It doesn't make its way into the Haggadah. It's just one of the 150 psalms in the book of Psalms. They take these verses from Psalms and they use it as a proof text and they go verse by verse and they prove these four categories of people are derived from this psalm that's all about Yodul Hashem, praising God out of a place of thanksgiving, out of praising God for giving thanks. Okay, so they make a, a huge proof text out of it. And we're going to skip all the way down to a part of this that's found about four-fifths of the way down the page. I'm not great at fractions. It might be like seven-eighths. Um, and you can find it in the Hebrew at, Ma, it's Aramaic, my mivarech. And you can find it in the English at, I actually think it's on the next page in the English. Yep. It's found in the next page in the English. The Gemara asks, what blessing does he recite? So it's found on the third page, right? Really the, the second page of the of the packet on the front side of it in the middle of the page you guys find it the Gemara asks what blessing does he recite do you see it okay great Joey sees it great so at least one person found it I've done my job okay so in my Mivarech what does he bless so already you have the assumption do you see what I mean that we've gone from he offers us like these cakes of and oil and soaked like we're who was asking about like that's a lot of cakes <laughs> that's a lot of types of cakes and crackers that was Rick right okay we're done with the cakes and crackers what does he offer as a blessing so we've already moved away from altars and offerings to he offers some kind of a blessing and this is the most fascinating part of this piece of gemara to me usually the rabbis have many 
different ideas. Okay. Usually they're like, Oh, I think this is the blessing they say. And then another Rav says, well, I heard there's a tradition of the, usually they have all sorts of different traditions, even within this one source within the Babylonian Talmud. But here, not so. Amar Rav Yehuda Baruch Gomel Hasadim Tovim. And then they move on in their conversation. The Gemara accepts it. They have one example of the blessing. And even the editors of our Gemara don't step in. There's a narrative voice of the Gemara that could have stepped in and said, and there are other traditions or could have argued with it. But there's no argument here. Everyone agrees Already by the time of 600 of the common era, we had this blessing in existence that we bless with at least these four words. Blessed is the one who is Gomel of Chasadim Tovim. By the well, by the, by the well, I'm already thinking in my head, by the way, you know these words, even if you don't know of benching Gomel, because we sing in our Shabbat Amidah that we already did together this morning. Gomel Hasadim Tovim Vikonehe Hakol. And Gomel Hasadim Tovim, Gomel is connected to the word Hasadim Tovim because a Chesed is like an undeserved kindness, and Gomel is a granting of that undeserved kindness. So what does that have to do with somebody who was healed from being sick or released from prison or survived a desert or came back from a sea trip? What does Gomel Hasadim Tovim have to do with those four circumstances? I ask you non-rhetorically. Why are those Gimilut Hasadim, which is a phrase we usually think of as doing good deeds for people? Why do we ascribe that as Gimilut Chesed from God? releasing from prison or making it through the sea or the desert? What do you think? They're environmental externalities that you cannot control. And therefore, we say that you need God's intervention to help you. I agree. It sort of ascribes, it, it relies on the fact that we are subscribing to a theology that God actively was a part of our having survived a narrow experience as described uh, earlier in our other commentaries, that there was an intervention. Yeah. yeah, Stuart. So Stuart asked the question, like going back to our Sesame Street days, one of these things is not like the other. Uh, why, why does prison fit in that category? Because it's a human created construct. So how is it possible that prison fits in this category? Does anyone want to try to offer an answer to that question? How could it be that God has Give me loot chesed in that circumstance. Yeah. Right. So we have two, two suggestions that are very similar, which is the easiest read, I think. The easiest answer is you were unfairly imprisoned somehow, either a prisoner of war, a prisoner who was imprisoned under unfair circumstances, and you were released. Right. But I will tell you that this comes down in halakha, not under, not uh, holding to those limited circumstances, right? We still have those who are released from prison say this bracha, say this blessing. So the question is, is there any other explanation? I think Bonnie wants to try, yeah? Great. So Bonnie offered something that I often think about in this regard, which is prison is supposed to be in some way a transformative experience. So one is supposed to emerge from that 
place having come out of a narrowness of an experience into some place for which they are grateful to be re-emerging into society. And so they are grateful, perhaps, I'm going to add to your explanation, Bonnie, perhaps they are grateful for the opportunity to rejoin society. And so they're offering gratitude for, for not having been either imprisoned for life or I would offer, perhaps they are grateful that they were not given a death sentence, right? Perhaps that would have been the other, uh, the alternative, uh, and so they were given the opportunity instead to be imprisoned, and now they have been released and given the opportunity once again to live among society. And so now they are no longer beholden to their prison guards, but rather beholden to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Perhaps. Okay, we're going to move to the very last source, even though I could be in this forever. We've been at this for 25 minutes, and it's felt like two seconds to me. But we're going to move to the very last source. It's not in English. I'm going to teach it to you. It's the Shulchan Aruch. I don't want to, I'm going to go back to the listening with our ears. I'm going to teach it to you like a story. Okay. Because I didn't want to, I didn't want a translation on here to spoil for you. Um, the multifaceted meaning that this can take on. But if you understand the Hebrew, you can come up with your own meaning as well. So the Shulchan Aruch comes along in the 16th century to deal with these matters it's a code of law, and there are two things that are found here. The first is the Shulchan Aruch, which comes down as a uh, code of law to which the Jews of Sfarad bind themselves. And then there's a gloss within the Shulchan Aruch. And the, a gloss is like a commentary that's interwoven, right? So it's, it's found in there, and it's the Ramah, and that's the commentary to which Ashkenazi Jews traditionally bind themselves within it. So there's actually a multi-ethnic conversation going on within the Shulchan Aruch. That's one of the reasons that I happen to enjoy it, other than the fact that it is widely considered, besides the Mishnah Torah, to be the in a, um, a grossly accepted code of law among observant Jews. So, in Berech, there's this question of what happens when somebody comes up to bless Gomel. Nowadays, we still offer the blessing of Gomel under these four circumstances. Often people offer it immediately after childbirth. Often people offer it after they've been, God forbid, in a terrible car accident or through a difficult surgery or under any of these actual circumstances, circumstances mentioned. But not everybody has a facility with Hebrew. Not everybody who has gratitude can offer in the same way. Just as the Talmud deals with the fact that not everybody is going to have exactly the right animal or beast to offer up as an offering, the rabbinic tradition, including the Shulchan Haruch, has to deal with the reality that is still true to this day, which is not everybody who wants to say, thank you, God, knows what Bench and Gomel is or how to do it. And so they offer this gorgeous teaching. Im berech acher ve'amar. If somebody else said the blessing, Baruch ata Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher gemalcha kol tuv ve'ana amen yatsa. Ve'chein im amar berich rachmana malka de'alma. 
Dehevechlan ve'ana amen yatsa. You can have somebody else say the entire Gomel blessing on your behalf. You can say amen and you have fulfilled your obligation to offer gratitude. And that is it. One of the reasons that I love that is also because somebody who has been through the kind of traumatic experience that is described herein might also not be in a position to speak difficult words. That might also be hard. All we ask of them is to say amen. But there's one more thing. The Ashkenazi source, the Ramah, it gets a little nitpicky. It says, well, we're really uncomfortable, though, with this idea because the person who's up here saying that blessing of Gomel on behalf of the person who actually should be saying Gomel, they're not individually obligated to say the blessing Gomel. So isn't that a blessing Levatala in vain? Aren't they saying a blessing in vain? Which is a big problem for these Ashkenazi Jews who just really don't want to say any blessings in vain. And the Ramah anticipates that question and says the following. This is not a blessing in vain. From the one who is saying the blessing. Even though they are not obligated in saying it. Since. They say it in double negative, but they're only blessing by way of praise and utter joy, the hoda'a and gratitude, on the goodness of their friend, that they are joyful on their behalf. They have basically obligated themselves in this prayer because they are happy for their fellow person that they're able to have gotten through that circumstance. And so they become their emissary and they take it on and therefore it is no longer a blessing in vain. So what Stuart's saying is that it's the blessing moment of Gomel is the culmination of a conversation that has begun as a part of this experience of an escape of the narrow place. It's a conversation between that individual and the divine. And so it's an opening to that because of the touching the place of mortality. Because all of these bring us a little bit closer to that place of mortality. And it's a little bit of that, but for the grace of God. Right, But for the grace of God, and that's really, though we're not saying chen, which is actually a translation of grace, but it's but for the gimilut chasadim of God, for the, for the undeserved kindnesses of God having intervened in the circumstances that, in which I find myself, I am present here and well. Brant has something to add. Brant is encouraging us to, to check out those speeches that of, of the senior officers who were released after seven, eight years of imprisonment in Hanoi, the end of the Vietnam War. It really is an extraordinary expression of gratitude for, for that release and, uh, and uh, in a, a modern, a contemporary equivalent of what we see here in these sources. I'm going to give Roger a last comment and then I'll wrap us up. Yeah. 
Yeah, there there are incredible examples recently in Ukraine of people who uh, whose gratitude ha- have been expressed publicly and thanks to modern technology have, have been able to to be captured. I think that that oh, not a great use of capture. I, I didn't mean that pun, uh, but. Um, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Vietnam was probably one of the first times we were able to get on tape and then through to, through modern times, that's probably one of the first times we really found ourselves with cameras in that moment, but it's been happening since time immemorial. So what I want to say here in terms of this gratitude and the transformation of the sacred service that we do in a moment of gratitude from having coming out of a narrow place is twofold. The first is that I see here in the transformation of these texts and in this click hole that I've taken us down, that there is a true feeling by our rabbinic tradition that words are powerful and are enough. And that when it comes to gratitude, words count. I mean, words really count. They're very weighty. Words are actually a form of avodah and a form of offering. So when we offer gratitude, we really offer gratitude. And I encourage you to reconsider what you can be offering gratitude, either in a latitudinal, a horizontal way in your life or in a divine way in your life. And the other thing that I want to be sure to drive home particularly from this last piece, is that we're vectors and we are vessels for helping others uh, and facilitating their gratitude as well. And not just gratitude, but in that last source, I don't know if you caught that sneaking little bit, but there's a little piece there that, do you, did you catch that little Brich Rachmana reference? That reference there is to say that we can say Birkat Hamazon for someone and when they say amen to us, counts on our behalf. And I'm about to lead us in Musaf. When you say amen to my blessings, that counts too. Amen is extremely powerful. When we listen and then we say amen, it's extremely powerful. We can be present for other people and for ourselves simply by listening. We are a part of the story by listening, but our participation comes through our amen. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.